Hello. Welcome back to the Red Fern Book Review. I am your host, Amy Mayer, and today we're going to look at two nonfiction works by very well-known essayist and humorists, both released over the last year. The first book is called Dusk, Night, Dawn on Revival and Courage by Anne Lamott. And the second book we're going to look at is a compilation of David Sedaris's best work, and he's calling it The Best of Me. But before we get to both those works, um, I want to talk with you about some things that I'm watching and um, listening to. So the first thing I wanted to talk with you about is a show that's on Apple TV, and it's called Boys State. And I wanted to encourage you, this is a show that the whole family could watch. If you've got a kid, I would say, above the age of nine, um, I think this would be something that they actually would want to watch with you. And I also think uh, husband and wives or partners would enjoy watching this together. And what this is, is it is a documentary. Um, it premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in January 2020, and it won the U.S. Documentary Competition Grand Jury Prize. And it tells the story of a thousand teenage boys in Austin, Texas, who are attending Boys State. And what Boys State is, is it is a group that's run by the American Legion, and they've been doing it since 1935. And they run these groups all throughout the United States, where they put together um, a week-long exercise in self-government at the state level. There's also a girl state, but this of course, is about the boys. And very famous politicians and have and well-known um, politicos have participated in this program in the past, including Bill Clinton, Cory Booker, Dick Cheney, and Rush Limbaugh. So this, what happens at Boys State is all these boys come together and then they're split into two political parties, and the parties are the Nationalists and the Federalists. And the parties do not have a platform, and it's up to the kids themselves to uh, create their own government and pl- pick their platform. And what unfolds will just amaze you. It is not what you think. I would assume, first of all, these kids are so intense and focused, which I thought quite amazing because I have um, two boys just a bit older and I couldn't believe how focused on politics and how articulate these boys were and super intense. But it it come, it kind of turns out to be a, a little bit Lord of the Flies meets all the King's men. So uh, I encourage you to watch, and uh, it is a mirror. Let's also say it's a bit of a mirror of the current state of U.S. politics. So the second thing I wanted to mention, since we're talking about David Sedaris, I always like to, especially when I'm reading memoirs, I enjoy hearing 
the person speak themselves. And so uh, I wanted to put forth this podcast. When I was researching this book, um, I looked up uh, the Davis Adair's book that we're going to talk about. I um, found an episode of This American Life where David Sedaris goes to Paris. And it's very quintessential David Sedaris and gives you a really good sense of his voice. And what this American Life is, for those of you that don't know, is it's an hour-long radio program uh, hosted out of Chicago by very well-known host Ira Glass. And it just talks about everyday American life, kind of very NPR style. So uh, this one is called, it's a spinoff of one of his one of my favorite books of his and his book about his time in France, which I'm going to talk to you about a bit later, where he, it's called Me Talk Pretty One Day. And so they call the episode Him Talk Pretty Three Days. And Ira um, talks with David or takes him on a tour of his favorite spots in Paris. And this is so quintessential David. So David moves to Paris uh, to learn the language and he says he has no feelings about the place. You know, one of the most amazing places in the world. He isn't taken with the Louvre or the Eiffel Tower and he isn't doesn't really care about Ernest Hemingway or Gertrude Stein or Proust. He's just there. And so he takes Ira to... Um, finds a, it's a place that sells taxidermy. He's obsessed with taxidermy. That's a running thing through his work. And he ends up at a store that he loves to go to where they don't make fun of him for his poor French. So I encourage you uh, to listen to that. And I'll put that episode in the show notes. Okay, so now on to the books. The first book we're going to talk about is called Dusk, Night, Dawn on Revival and Courage. And this is by very famous writer, Anne Lamott. Um, she is one of my favorite writers, and she's very well known for uh, writing. She writes faith-based books, and um, but two of my favorite books of hers, she wrote a book about first the first year of parenthood called Operating Instructions. And it's I for years I used to give it to people um, when they had their first child. And it's still, I think it still really holds up. And then her the other book that is considered a standard in writing is her book Bird by Bird. And that is a classic book on writing. And throughout all of her writing, uh, she is just so funny and so real. And when I was actually researching her for to talk about today, um, she some people say that she follows something called it's called particularism, and what it is, it's uh, a way of writing narrative nonfiction, and she draws on her own life and experiences in her writing, and it's just very deeply personal. And she covers, typically, she covers, she just draws from her life. So she talks about alcoholism, uh, depression, uh, life as a single mom, Christianity, and the intersection between them all. She lives in Marin County, California. She draws on that heavily. Um, and she, the thing that, there's a couple of things that make her very unique. She writes a lot about spirituality, but I don't think you even have to 
believe in God to enjoy her because she's just so accessible. And she describes herself as an extremely left-wing Christian, but it's said that she is very well liked by by conservatives and from people from small towns or from places very far away from liberal um, San Francisco, the greater San Francisco area. So she's released this book. Um, this is this is her this is a faith based book. This one, this dusk, night, dawn, and it's her nineteenth book. She released it this past spring, right smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. And I wonder, did she write this in response? I, I bet she might have started to write this book, having to do with the political world that she and uh, we are in. But really, in the end. Um, this addresses very much life in the pandemic by proxy. So she answers the question, how do we get to a world of joy and hope and faith? And how do, how do we get back to that? And then she refers to herself, she's 66 now. So she talks about her sore feet, her hearing loss, stiff fingers, poor digestion, stunned minds and, and broken hearts. And the way she, her answer is we do this by accepting our flaws and embracing humanity. And that's really what she, where she, that's her sweet spot, is she uh, talks about her imperfections and somehow finds joy at the same time. So this book is about forgiveness, repentant, repentance, uh, and climate change, and you know, it's about the duality of life. It's something that I think we all try to teach our children, that life is not about the big moments, about getting the job or um, getting a great grade. It is, uh, it's about the little moments where you can find humor. So she is grateful and she sees the beauty and, as my mom would say, is mad as a hornet at the asshole driver in front of her. She wouldn't, my mom would not say that part, but my mom would say mad as a hornet and at her son's stupid decisions. So she's just very relatable. One of my favorite things about this book is she talks about being a newlywed. So she got married for the first time at 65. And it's very funny because in some ways, it's just the same as if she got married at 25 because she has to get used to having someone around all the time, you know, being a wee, bumping into someone in the kitchen. Um, but then there's also that joy and understanding of someone who might have thought that she wasn't going to find a life partner. And it reminds me a lot of Nancy Meyer's uh, rom-com, Something's Gotta Give, with Jack Nicholson and Diane Keaton. And I remember the, there's a scene where Diane, just Keaton's character, has fallen in love with Jack Nicholson, and she doesn't really know what that is because I don't think she's ever fallen in love before, and she is well into middle age. And so she wakes up in the morning after they've broken up and just bursts into tears like a... Like a like a teenager would. And so there's, there's, I found some similar parallels there. But I wanted to conclude by reading with this segment on, uh, on Anne by reading a little bit about a little tiny bit from her, the book on her, where she talks to one of her really good friends. Okay, so this little section here 
She talk, is talking to her friend, Duncan Trussell, who's a comedian, and he's heavy into, uh, she calls him uh, heavy into the neo-Hindu community. And so as I've told you earlier, she is um, heavy into the uh Christian community, uh, very left-winging, left-wing, I would say, almost a kind of born-again, but um, very liberal, um, uh, also at the same time, Christianity. So here she's talking about their relationship, and she says, we share the belief that we are both loving awareness with skin on and walking personalities disorders. We believe in deeper realities of stillness and magic. We see the earth as forgiveness college and recognize that we are, at best, B-minus, C-plus students. We believe in the immortality of the soul, although he finds it hilarious that I am a Christian, and I think it is hilarious that he is whatever the hell he is. When trouble befall, we are both combo platters of anxiety, faith, constriction, sharing, expansion, trust, and panic. He loves, judges, forgives, and grouses, gives and receives deep love, shares life inevitable pain, and maintains his humor and belief that love is who we are and why we are here. Me? Well, of course. I believe this too until the power went out in our county for four days and I spiraled into victimized self-righteousness. And then that's so quintessential Anne Lamott. And then this essay goes on to talk about um, her four days with no power, and it's hilarious, and she acts like a child, but she gets through it, as as you know that she will. So with that, let's move on to talk about David Sedaris, who is perhaps one of the funniest people living, maybe except for his sister, Amy Sedaris, if you know Amy. Uh, Amy is uh, a comedian. She started at Second City, and she currently has a show out that I can't access here in Canada, but it's called At Home with Davey, Amy Sedaris, and I've seen clips of it, and it's where she does a send-up of a Martha Stewart-type home show, and what's so hilarious about it is she does it, she super makes fun of uh, people who are into crafting and cooking and keeping their home, but you can see that she also loves those things as well, and she is, she's a crafter herself, and she has on other comedians and people she loves, and she wears a frilly apron, and She's just hilarious. And so she, uh, in the past, has performed with her brother. She's been in all kinds of movies. She's a writer. And David is the author of 11 books. Um, he's also written, uh, he's a contributor to The New Yorker and BBC Radio 4. He's won all kinds of prizes. And in 2019, he was inducted into the American Academy of Arts and Letters. Uh, I've had the privilege of seeing him twice, and he is just, oh my gosh, he is so funny. He is, I don't even know how to describe him. So I've seen him, and he reminds me of the cartoon character Droopy. He shuffles up to the mic and reads things with his dead, deadpan delivery. He's not super handsome. He's quite small and slight. He's obsessed with gore, death, and making fun of people. But somehow he is very lovable, and you just you just love him. Um, 
So this book is what this is. It's a best of. So he has written, he's been writing for, I think, about 30 years. And his, his, some of his topics, he writes about taxidermy, which I mentioned earlier. And in this book, uh, he talks about hitchhiking with uh, a lady, a quadriplegic, uh, talks about spitting a lozenge into a fellow traveler's lap, about drowning a mouse in a bucket, and hand-feeding a carnivorous bird. So that sounds, that's the other thing. He's just weird. He definitely is weird. He's the second of six children. He grew up in a middle-class family, uh, spent most of his childhood in Raleigh, North Carolina. And his, like Anne Lamott, his humor is autobiographical, it's self-deprecating, and he pulls heavily on his Greek heritage, uh, his homosexuality, his all kinds of jobs he's had, uh, which I believe he was a Santa at a department store, which is one of the first things that he wrote about. Um, his talks about his education, his drug use, his obsessive, he's very, very obsessive, obsessive behaviors, and his life in France and England where he spent a lot of time. And throughout it all, he always weaves in, he's always weaving in his family members. And you really feel for his long-suffering life partner, Hugh Hamrick, who, as uh, David says, is he appears to be the reasonable one in the, in the relationship. So this book is just, um, I pulled out an essay that I wanted to read from because it just sort of um, is very quintessential David Sedaris. And there's not a lot new in here. Apparently there is a new essay, and I, I read the whole thing, but I can't remember which one it is. But if you like him, and I've read about, oh, I think I've read about four of his books. So I, I saw a lot of things that I knew and a lot of things that were different. And even the ones that I had read before, I, I wanted to read them again because they don't get old. He's just a master at telling a short story. That's what he does, is each chapter like Anne Lamott, it's just, it just it takes you on a complete ride. Um, and I wanted to tell you, we'd conclude today by reading from one of his last essays. Okay, so the one that I'm going to talk about is from his book, Me Talk Pretty One Day. And this book he wrote, I believe, in early 2000. And it talks about his struggle with his daily life in France. And we already talked about that, about why he's in France. And this essay is titled the same. So it's called Me Talk Pretty One Day. And what it's about is he has gone to take the language course. So he's taking this language course. And he is surrounded by all these men and women from all different nationalities and all different uh, professions. And they've all come here together to work with this um, French teacher to learn French. And they sound terrible. They all sound like uh, robot babies or robot children. They're, they just, they, they're articles are out of place. Their prepositions are backwards. It's, it's so what this section is, I'm going to read, is he, they are trying to talk about um, Christianity, but they can't really talk about it because it's too complicated. So they start to talk about food, and uh, they specifically start to talk about Easter. And as a little bit of a um, 
reference point in case you didn't know, because I didn't, and clearly David didn't know either. In France, there isn't an Easter bunny, there's an Easter bell. And what happens is a bell flies from Rome, or bells, multiple bells, I believe, from Rome to France to deliver chocolate. So with that, I'm going to conclude by reading um, part of this essay. Easter is a party for to eat of the lamb, the Italian nanny explained. One to may eat of the chocolate. And who brings the chocolate, the teacher asks. I knew the word, so I raised my hand, saying, The rabbit of Easter, he bring of the chocolate. A rabbit? The teacher, assuming I'd used the wrong word, positioned her index fingers on top of her head, wriggling them as though they were ears. You mean one of these? A rabbit rabbit? Well, sure, I said. He come in the night when one sleep on a bed. With a hand he have a basket and foods. The teacher sighed and shook her head. As far as she was concerned, I had just explained everything that was wrong with my country. No, no, she said, here in France, the chocolate is brought by a big bell that flies in from Rome. I called for a timeout, but how do the bell know where you live? Well, she said, how does a rabbit? It was a decent point, but at least, at least a rabbit has eyes. That's a start. Rabbits move from place to place, while most bells can only go back and forth, and they can't even do that on their own power. On top of that, the Easter Bunny has character. He's someone you'd like to meet and shake hands with. A bell has all the personality of a cast iron skillet. It's like saying that come Christmas, a magic dustpan flies in from the North Pole, led by eight flying cinder blocks. Who wants to stay up all night so they can see a bell? And why fly one in from Rome when they've got more bells they know what to do with right here in Paris? That's the most implausible aspect of the whole story, as there's no way the bells of France would allow a foreign worker to fly in and take their jobs. That Roman bell would be lucky to get work cleaning up after a French bell's dog, and even then he'd need papers. It just didn't add up. Thank you so much for joining me today for the latest edition of the Red Firm Book Review. And I hope that both of these books... um, Even if you don't end up picking them up, if they brought a little smile to your face today, because they certainly did to me, and I really found joy in them over these last difficult months. And I wanted to invite you next week to come back for a complete change of gears. I have invited on a childhood friend, Liz Kelsey, who is a teacher uh, of classics or of literature, and she's a high school teacher at that, working towards her PhD. And we are going to talk about classics that don't suck. We will talk a little bit about David Copperfield and Jane Austen, and it will be done in a very plain speaking, approachable way. And we might even incorporate um, a couple of movies, uh, on the modern movies on the, on the topic. So thanks so much for joining, and I'll talk to you soon.